So good evening, everybody. So we will be continuing today, Perik Lamed Vav. So the larger topic over here, as we started off in Perik Lamed Hey, and asking why it is that in Yiddishkeit there's this emphasis on Maisa, on Hamaiso Iker, on action, mitzvahs Maisius, action mitzvahs. Why is it that the that the nefshal kiss has to be mislabish in nefshah Bahamas? Why it has to uh, enter a gufa nefshah Bahamas and become one with it? So if it has to struggle, okay, I understand. But why can't it struggle with something external to it? Why does it have to struggle internally? internally? So we started last week periklam Vav, which is really the essence of the answer, and this is the idea of dira b'tachtoyne. The understanding that the reason why Hashem created the world, created everything, created the universe, including all the spiritual worlds, is not for the spiritual worlds, but dafke for Olam Haza Hatachtuin, for this low world, for this lowest world, because the Abishter doesn't get excited over Giluyim, over Oyer, but rather the Abishter's desire is Choyshach. The Abishter's desire is that we should grapple with and battle with Choyshach, with darkness. And that to bring the oyer into the darkness. And that's why the Iker is Mitzvah Maisius, as we'll go on and we'll see more in next Perik. Why we have to do Maisa, because Maisa is the lowest faculty. And that is why the Neshama has to enter the Nefshah Bahamas to elevate the Nefshah Bahamas, because the, as we mentioned, the Iker is, taf, is, taf, is Dafka, the Tacht and the Iker is the lowest Madrega. This upcoming week, a week from tonight, is Yud Shvat, which is the yard site of uh, the Rebbe Rayatz, Rabbi Yisif Yitzchak, the previous Rebbe. And the day when the Rebbe became the Nasi, 68 years ago. Tonight is Gimel Shvat. 26 years ago, tonight, a Gimel Shvat. So the Rebbe said a Sicha. The Rebbe said, the Rebbe spoke then. So this is 1992. And the Rebbe said that we know the Friedrich Rebbe in the later years of his life was um, severely incapacitated. In he was in a wheelchair. Uh, maybe some of you have seen pictures of the Friedrich Rebbe. He looks like an old man. He wasn't an old man. The Friedrich Rebbe passed away. He was 69 when he passed away. But um, Friedrich Rebbe suffered a series of strokes and he had other medical issues. I believe he had also MS. And that impacted him um, very much. He was in a wheelchair. And he wasn't able to, in the, in the last years of his life, his speech was severely impacted. And people didn't understand what he was saying besides for a very close circle of... Um, family and the attendants and maybe some of the, you know, the big chassidim who, you know, were there all the time. In fact, when people would go in, in those years into Yechidus by the, by the Friedrich Rebbe, and he passed away in 1950, so we're talking in the years before, and so the Shamis, the Gabbai would go in with them, and the Gabbai would translate what the Friedrich Rebbe was saying, and not translate from language to language, but the people usually didn't understand 
because of the strokes, what the Fidikai was saying, so he would, uh, the Gabbai would say, would, would uh, say it over. But it didn't impact the Fidikai's writing, actually. The Fidikai continued to write until literally his last day, or not literally his last day, because he passed away on Shabbos, but we, his last letters were written on Friday, Teshvat. The Fidikai was a prolific writer. The Fidikai Rebbe, they say that he wrote around 100,000 letters in his lifetime. 100,000. How do they know that? Because he wrote all his books in notebook. All his letters were written in notebook. He didn't dictate his letters. He actually wrote every single letter. The Rebbe would dictate letters. Now, the, the, Rebbe, <laughs> the Rebbe also wrote many tens of thousands of letters, but they were, they were primarily dictated. Fidikai wrote. He had notebooks, and he numbered each letter. So we don't have all the notebooks, especially the ones that, you know, you know, a lot of them got destroyed by the Nazis, whatever. But from the numbering, they were able to see and have a, um, an estimate of how many letters there were altogether. If you look over here somewhere, probably see, where is it? Oh, see that set of that red set of Svarim, are the printed letters of the Fidik Rebbe. And that's, um, what's interesting is that most of the letters that the Fidik Rebbe wrote before, the Fidik Rebbe escaped from, from Nazi-occupied um, Warsaw in 1940. And all the letters were pretty much gone. However, the Rebbe was living at that time in France. And the Fidik Rebbe, for the, year, the years beforehand, he would send to the Rebbe all his letters that were relevant to the public. In other words, the letters where he would write Torah uh, ideas or letters where he wrote stories for the Rebbe to, to, to uh, hold on to and to index. And that's how they survived the war from the Rebbe. So all the other letters didn't make it. Um, <clears throat> so in the last few years of, of the, around the last three years of the Friedrich Rebbe's life, the Friedrich Rebbe didn't say any mamarim. <coughs> uh, I'm jumping ahead, I'm jumping ahead. Let's go back a little. So at a certain point in time, in the last years of the Friedrich Rebbe's life, a big doctor came to visit the Rebbe, to treat the, to treat the Friedrich Rebbe. And uh, before, he, before he left, he told, the, he told the Rebbe, I have a question to ask of you. So this is the Rebbe, and this is the Rebbe saying this. I, I'm adding in some, some side information. The Rebbe is saying this story about this doctor who came to feed the Rebbe and said, I don't understand. The Rebbe was emotional when the Rebbe was saying this story. He says that your job over here in this world, you're put, out, you're put here into the world to, uh, to disseminate, to publicize, and to spread chassidus and Yiddishkeit. So why is it that Hashem would have taken away from you, deprived you of such an important tool good question. In, that, in that area? It doesn't seem to make any sense. It would seem that, if anything, you should, be, you should have a more powerful or better Koya Hadibor than anybody else. Who asked that question? This doctor. The doctor. Now, this wasn't the first time that the Rebbe said this story. And other times when the Rebbe said this story, the Rebbe would try to answer the question. And the Rebbe would compare the Fidik Rebbe to Moshe Rabbeinu, who Moshe Rabbeinu also was a Kvad Kvad Lashon, and the Rebbe would explain Beruchnius, why was Moshe Rabbeinu a Kvad Kvad Lashon, and explain how that applies also to Fidik Rebbe. But that was in other occasions. On this occasion, the Rebbe didn't answer the question. Instead, the Rebbe said, again, the Rebbe was emotional, he said that at the end of the day, because the Fidik Rebbe couldn't speak, so, we are the Aaron to the Fidik Rebbe, who is the Moshe, and we have to be the mouth. We have to be the Rebbe's mouth. We have to be the ones who uh, communicate. who communicate his teachings. Mm-hmm. I, was, uh, I was a little surprised that Rebbe should say that story and that answer at that time, and we were wondering a little about the meaning of it. 
And then a month and a half later, the Rebbe had a stroke and the Rebbe lost his own Koyach Adibur. And then the Chassidim understood that what the Rebbe was, uh, what the Rebbe was saying, that uh, giving us a message about being his Aaron. But going back to um, the Fidiki Rebbe, in the last three years of the Fidiki Rebbe's life, the Fidiki Rebbe did not say any more Mamarim, any more Chassidic discourses. Again, presumably, because the people anyways, most of the people there wouldn't be able to, uh, to understand. Instead what, did the, instead, what did the Rebbe do? In advance of Yom Toivim, and also of special days on the, on the Chassidic calendar, the Fidik Rebbe would submit a mimer, which he wrote, submitted for publication, and you tell the Chassidim on the day, on this Yom Tev, on this day, I want you to learn this mimer. That was the Seder in the last few years of the Fidik Rebbe's life. Yud Shvat, the 10th of Shvat, is, was the yard site of the Fidik Rebbe's grandmother. Rebetzin Rivka. She was the wife of the of the fifth of, of the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rebbe Shmuel, Rebbe Marash. Three days later, on Yud Gimel Shvat, was the yard site of the Fidik Rebbe's mother, Rebetzin Shtanasara. She was the wife of the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab. So, in honor of Yud and Yud Gimel Shvat, the, the Fidik Rebbe gave out two mamarim: one to be learned on Yud Shvat, one to be learned on Yud Gimel Shvat, but they were really they're connected, in other words, one was a continuation of the other. And the mimer that was for Yutzvat began with the words Basi Lagani Achosi Kala. Pasik from Shir Shirim, um, which is, you know, Shir Shirim is a, is, a, is, is a poem, but it's a parable of the love between the Yidin and Akadosh Baruch, Hu, right? So Basi Lagani Achosi Kala, this is the, the, the husband, the man, which is Akadosh Baruch, Hu, telling his bride, his wife, Basi Lagani, I've come. To my garden, and a whole mimer on this, um, a whole mimer based on this pasuk. And that that year, Yutzvat in 1950, Yutzvat was on a Shabbos, and on Shabbos morning, the Fidik Rebbe was nostalgic. That Shabbos morning. One year later, on Yutzvat, was when by the Fabring was when the Rebbe officially accepted the mantle of leadership of uh, of Chassidus Chabad, and how did the Rebbe accept it? By saying a mimer, and the mimer was began with the words Basi Lagani Achesikala. Where the Fidik Rebbe left off, the Rebbe began, and then every year thereafter on on Yitzchak, the Rebbe would say a mimer Basi Lagani. The original mimer Basi Lagani had twenty chapters, and every year the Rebbe would focus on one chapter. So from 1950 to 1970, the Rebbe did one round, and then 1971 the Rebbe began the second round again. For the next 20 years, or 17, 18 years, every year one, one pair. So Basi Lugani holds a central place in um, this mimer in, in, uh, by, by, by Chabad Hasidim. And obviously, very the Rebbe also very much connected it to, um, and, you know, they said this is the final, this is the final statement of the Fidik Rebbe to our generation. And as we'll see in a moment, Basi Lugani begins with the idea of how Moshe brought down the Shekhinah to this world, and the Maimir, it adds in a parenthesis, seemingly out of nowhere, that Moshe, who was the seventh, and we'll explain in a moment what that means, and all the sevenths are precious. And with the Fidik Rebbe's passing, Chassidus Chabad entered the seventh generation. The Fidik Rebbe was the sixth Rebbe, the Rebbe was the seventh Rebbe. So therefore, that's uh, where, you know, this is the, the, where this is the role of the seventh generation, the precious generation, was to bring the Shekhinah back down here into this world. I want to talk a little about the Mamer Basi Lagani. Yeah? Fidika Barota? Fidika Barota, yeah. 
he wrote, he writes that Moshe, Moshe Shu Ashvi, Vchol Ashvi and Chavivin, Hoyre the Sashchina, Lamata Laaretz. There's a lot, there's there are different hints. I mean, obviously, that Basi Lagani itself is a hint. Basi Lagani, I've got, you know, I've got, I've gone to my garden. It's a hint for Eistalkas. But what's very interesting is that the Mamer Basi Lagani begins Basi Lagani Achesi Kala. The Isa be Medeshaba. This is how the Fidikabra writes. And we see in Medeshaba be Mekoyma in its place that Lagani Lagnuni Lamakam Shayikri Batchila. I'm not going to get into the exact words, but if you look in in the Medeshaba be Mekoyma, where the Fidikabra says be Mekoyma. It says over there that who is the one who said this idea, which the Fidik Rebbe says? It says over there, Amar Rab Menachem Chasne de Rabavuna. Who said this? Rab Menachem, the son-in-law of Rabavuna. So Chassidim right away also saw a connection. Rab Menachem, the son-in-law. Son-in-law. That the next Rebbe was taken over by Rab Menachem, who was the son-in-law. Akapanim. I want to talk a little about Basi Lugani because Basi Lugani is based on Perek Lamedvav in Tanya. With the period which we're learning right now, so some of the ideas that are discussed in Basi Lagani will clarify that which we are going to be learning about in this period, that which we are learning about and will continue learning about in this period, and also at Hasbara. So again, Basi Lagani is what Hashem tells the Yidin. Hashem says, Basi Lagani, I've come to my garden, my sister, my bride. In English, that doesn't sound too good, my sister, my bride, but if the, in, in Hebrew, it's the. Achoisi is like when you say to someone, uh, Achi, my brother. It means it's an it's a endearing... Close by, very close by. Right, a term of endearment. So Achoisi Yikala is a term of endearment. So the Medrash Rabbah says, that what is this talking about? This was talking about the day when the Mishkan was inaugurated, which is on Rishchidosh Nisan. So Hashem says, Basi Lagani Achoisi Yikala, I've now come back. I've now come to my garden. Why? Because Iker Shechina B'Tachtoinu Moisam. Originally, when Hashem created the world, the Shekhinah was over here in this world. And um, then, because of, there were seven sins, starting with the Chet Eitzadas was the first one, then there was the Chet of Kain Vahavel, and there were seven sins as enumerated in the Medrash. So these chased the Shekhinah, the first sin chased the Shekhinah from this world to the seventh heaven, then to the sixth heaven, the fifth heaven, the fourth heaven, all the way, all the way beyond... Uh, I don't want to say the, the solar system or the, the beyond the spiritual system of, uh, of creation. Then the Medrash says, and then arose seven Sadiqim, starting from Avram. Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Levi, how uh, Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Levi, Kahas, Amram, right? And Moshe, seven Sadiqim. And each one of them brought the Shekhinah back down to one heaven until Moshe, Shehu Ashvi. Moshe was the seventh one. And all the sevenths are precious. So he brought the Shekhinah back down here in the world. When? So it started by Matan Torah, when Vayir Hashem al Sinai, but it was more, it was Bekviyas. When did it come uh, in, a, in a very, um, uh, in an established way, in a permanent way, was in the Mishkan. And Hashem describes this world as Gani, as his garden. It's a very interesting terminology to describe this world as his garden. What is a garden? What do you associate when you think of a gar- having a garden? What do you associate with? Talk about here in this world. A garden is tranquility. A garden is pleasure. Pleasure. Right? This is the place. This is Hashem's garden. This is the place Hashem created it. Iker Shechina, he started off down here. This is where he wants to be. We chased him away. We chased him away. 
and uh, then and then we uh, and then he came back. He came back. And the obvious question is, if this is where Hashem wanted to be, then why did He let us chase Him away? How could chase the Rebbeinu Shalom? Did we torpedo the divine plan? Free will. What, free will. Why did Hashem give us free will? If he wants to, if he wanted to be here, and he realizes that our free will can can mess up his plan, don't give us free will. Make us like the angels. What's the ticket? Oh. So the Fidigrebe says. And this points to Perik Lamad Vavintanya. When Hashem created the world, we all know, based on the Madrash Tanchuma, that Hashem created the world because He wanted a dira bitachtein. He wanted a dwelling place down here in the world. But that's only one aspect. There were really three aspects to this original primordial desire of Hashem. Number one, he wants a dira b'tachtoinim. Number two, he wants that this dira should be created by the tachtoinim. Not that he should impose himself upon, upon uh, the world. He wanted it that it should be mitzada tachtoinim, that it should be the work of the cre- the work of, the product of, the achievement of the Tachtoinim themselves, the people who inhabit this, uh, this lowest world. Number three, number three, he wanted that the way that this Dira is created and fashioned is through Iskafya and Ishabcha, which means struggling with and vanquishing the darkness and the Sitar Akhra. And each, each component is, 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 is crucial over here. It's what he wanted, who is the one who is who's, who's, who's bringing this about, and how it's going to happen. All three of those are important to the ultimate plan. Why? We don't know. That's why the words are used here in Tanya. Nisava HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is words from the Medrash. He desired. The word Nisava is related to Ataiva. They say the Alter Rebbe once said, they say the, the Rebbe Rashab said, that the Alter Rebbe once said, Af Ataiva Frekman Kenkashanisht. When a person has Ataiva, you like chocolate? Sure. Why do you like chocolate? I don't know. You don't know? Okay. So, had this taiva. They had this desire. Desire for a bit But again, this desire includes these three, these three components. <coughs> That's why it's like a Otherwise, we will not understand. Obvious, right? So, the, he wants a what does Adir B'tachtoyinah mean? That will be clarified as we go along. But that's why that Hashem originally, he, he was here, and, and as we continue in the Patriarch, we'll also find out then why, why did he start off over here, and why did he, in other words, why didn't he start off elsewhere and have him, that will, that will become clarified as, as this year goes along. <clears throat> but that is why the Eberstar needed that we, we should be the ones who bring him down. How do we bring Hashem down? How do we make Adir B'tachtoyinah? How do we make that Hashem should be present in this lowly, in a lowly place, in a place where there is no gile? So we take a look. Where did I, where was Hashem present? Where was this dira in the Mishkan? Where is the Mishkan? The midbar. The midbar. Mishkan was the midbar, but we know with the famous shalav, the shalav says va'asuli mikdash v'shachanti b'soicham. That the pasuk says <clears throat> that Hashem says, "I want you to make for me a mishkan, and I will dwell amongst you." Amongst them, which grammatically this is somewhat problematic. It should say, "Vasli mikdash, make me a mish, uh, make make for me 
and I will dwell within it. What is within them? So from this, the Shabbat learns, that every single one of us is supposed to be a Mishkan for Hashem. Meaning, we are the ones who are the Mishkan. We are, we are the Dira B'Tachtoinen. We are the Dira, we are the Tachtoinen, and we are the Dira B'Tachtoinen. How do we make the Dira B'Tachtoinen? As mentioned, through fighting, through Iskafia, and through Ishabcham, through struggling with and subduing and ultimately transforming the Ra which is within us. So what is the purpose of the Beis HaMikdash in the Mishkan? The Beis HaMikdash is even, was, uh, even more permanent. I'm, in this year we're not going to get into the difference in the Beis HaMikdash and the Mishkan, maybe we'll do that later yeah. in uh, chapter 50. But um, there's the, a the discussion about that, but right now we're talking about the general idea of a, of, a, of a Mishkan, a Mikdash, and every single one of us is supposed to become a Mishkan to Hashem. Now, once we understand this, we realize that although the Mishkan was a physical place and there, were, and there were physical things that were happening over there, but everything in the Mishkan, every component of the Mishkan, <coughs> excuse me, was actually was is um, is a spiritual concept which also applies to ourselves. And the point of everything in the Mishkan is to make this dir to make this dir So, Fidigaber says, what is the main avoda which was in the Mishkan? Oh, main avoid of the Mishkan was a carbon. What is the point of a carbon? This is the Kadis, this is Kadis Kafya, Sitra Akhra, right? Taking a behema. This is a dirbe There's a behema which is the ultimate tachtoin and making it into a carbon, bringing it close to Hashem. And within every single one of us, says the Fidiki Rebbe, the same applies. We all have a behema within us. All of the behemoth, the Nefshah Bahamas, the Yitzhahara. Says the Pasuk, Adam ki akriv mikem karban lashem. It's possibly in the beginning of, of, of Ayikra. Which translates, Adam ki akriv, person who wants to bring a carbon, mikem, from amongst you, karban lashem, a carbon tashem. Now, this Pasuk is, uh, is not is constructed somewhat shadowly, it would seem. For those of you who understand Hebrew, it should say, Adam Mikem, a person from amongst you, Kiyakriv, who wants to bring a carbon Lashem. But the Pasuk says instead, Adam Kiyakriv, a person who brings a carbon, Mikem from amongst you, carbon Lashem. So the Fidik Rebbe says that this word Mikem has two understandings. First of all, Adam, a person, who's the you're the person, you, you're Neshama, Atem Kruyim Adam, Kiyakriv. You want to come close to Hashem. So the first thing you have to know, Mikem. Mikem, the words of the Fidik Rebbe, Mikem u'bachem ha'davar tali. It's up to you. So, so many of us think that my behemoth is too big. I can't come close to Hashem. My behemoth is, uh, is not royal the carbon. So the first thing you have to know, Mikem u'bachem ha'davar tali. It's up to you. You could. How do you know that you could? Maybe you can't. Maybe your behemoth is talking too big. But the very notion of dira b'tachtoinim is that Hashem wants a dira b'tachtoinim. So if something is even more tachtoin, what does that mean? It's a better dira. <laughs> you know, we look at our we, we look at our nefesh, we look at ourselves and our and our lowliness, and we think that's an impediment 
towards 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 getting close to the Abishter, but that leads us to the next to the, to the next meaning of the word mikem. Adam kiyakriv, a person that wants to come close to Hashem. You want to know how you become close to Hashem? Mikem from within you. You bring the carbon Hashem, and what's the next words in Apostolic? Menabehema, menabakar, menatsoyin, from your behema. And this is really what we're saying over here. The neshama wants to come close to Hashem. You know how the neshama becomes close to Hashem? By doing a, a mitzvah through the nefshah Bahamas. The hamaisu iker. So we're talking about this Patek, last Patek. Your nefshah Bahamas is not an impediment from you to get close to Hashem. That's what allows you to come close to Hashem. Returning to what we spoke about last week, remember about the, the Yitzhahara, that the reason why we got to tell you is because Yitzhahara Yashbenechem, we have a Yitzhahara. Mikem, that's why the main Avoid on the Besam Mikdash was the Avoid Sakabanis, because the Avoid Sakabanis is the ultimate idea of Dir Betachtoinim, taking a Behema, which is a Tachtoin, and bringing it as a carbon. In our lives, that means we become a Dir Betachtoinim when we take our Tachtoin, we take our Nefshamahamis, <coughs> and um, even the, the, the specific components involved. So you talk about, the, uh, we know that there was a Eish Shalomayla that used to come and used to consume. They used to consume the Karbanas. A, a fire used to come up from heaven, used to consume the Karbanas. What does that mean? We, every single one of us has a fire. We have the fire, the Avas Hashem that we have within us, the fire of the Nefesh Halakis, the fire of the Neshama. And that fire, that godly fire within us has to consume the Behemoth, the Nefesh Bahamas. So the Nefesh Bahamas also comes to love Hashem. And that's when my Nefesh Bahamas, me, lowly me, comes to connect to Hashem. That's one point that Rebbe says. And then he moves on and says, okay, so that was, that was the main Aveda in the base of Mikdash, was Karbanas, which expresses the idea of Dir What was the Mishkan constructed of? It was constructed a lot of things of, Kesef and Nechoshes, but what was the primary structure of the Mishkan made of? Atzei Shittim. What does the word Shittim come from? Shtut. The word Shittim comes from the word Shtus. Take a moment to think about that for a second. How do we construct our Mishkan for Hashem? How do we construct our Dir Betachtoinim? What is the building blocks? What is the construction material of our Mishkan? Our Shtus. Our Shtus. The Shtus of the Nefshah Bahamas. The Shtus of the Nefshah Bahamas, as the Gemara says, this Ruach Shtus, which covers up on the MS, which covers up on our, on our essential desire to connect to Hashem, and every time that a person does an Avera, it's the Shtus, which we forget about. We forget about our love for Hashem. We forget about our desire to connect to Hashem. And you think that this Shtus, why did Hashem give me this Shtus? I'd be better off without this Shtus. And your answer is, no shtus, no mishkan. No shtus, no mishkan. We have to take the shtus of the nefesh Bahamas, and we have to convert it to shtus of the nefesh alikis. Shtus of the nefesh alikis, the shtus of Kedusha. He brings, uh, brings down the Gemara in Ksubis, the Friedrich Kebbe brings down the Gemara in Ksubis, where it says <laughs> that uh, one of the, there was, um, there was an Amoira, who would juggle Hadassim before, before the Kalos, before you go to the Chasna and juggle Hadassim. Sorry? Yeah. Right? Meraki Datlas. You take three Hadassim and you juggle them. <coughs> Imagine a venerable sage, an Amira, denigrating himself in such a way. 
And um, another Amorita said that Kamachsif um, Saba, you're embarrassing this all. You're, you're embarrassing. Anyways, when he passed away, I, th- I think it was a Behuda Bayelai, but I don't remember. It's a Gemara Subas. It says that there was a, 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 a pillar of fire that separated between him and everyone else. The pillar of fire was shaped like a myrtle, like a hadas. At which point, this other Amorita who earlier on reprimanded this, uh, the, his, his colleague said, Ahani his shtus came to good use to him. It was a good shtus. Because there's a shtus, there's a hape, there's a shtus of Gidusha. And what we have to do is transform our shtus of the Nefshah Bahamas, the shtus of Klippa, into shtus of Gidusha. And this is, how we, this is how we have a Mishkan for Hashem. And then the Fidik Rebbe goes further and says, so we you took these Atsi Shittim and out of them we constructed but what are they called? Krashim, right? Vasisa <coughs> Krashim. The word Keresh is the same letters as the word Sheker. The word Sheker. And once again, we have the same idea. How do we create the Mishkan? From the Sheker. So what we have over here, you want to have a Mishkan, you need Sheker, you need Shtus, you need your Behemoth. All of these are fundamental elements in order to be able to have a Mishkan for Hashem. Why? Because Hashem is not interested. If Hashem wanted Atzilus, if Hashem, if the whole point of Seder Shnatsu was Atzilus, then it would make so, no sense. No Shtus, no, uh, no Behema, no Sheker. But Hashem created this world. The Tachlis is this world. As we explained last week, that all the other worlds are Sachsachakal, they're diluted, they're diluted Oyer. Hashem has no interest in diluted uh, measures of, of Oyer. The Tachlis is that Hashem wants that in a place where there's absolute Cheshach, over there also should be Meir the Oyer. And that is the Dira B'Tachtoinim, which we are creating. And that's Mamish, the Nekuda, which is spoken about in this, in this Mimer, is Mamish, what we're talking about over here in Perik Lamed And let's, let's continue where we left off last week. Page Mem Vav, top line on the page. Sheyoyer Eir Hashem. Let's back up. Let, you know, let's start actually from the bottom line of page 90. This is <coughs> what arose in Hashem's will. That he should receive pleasure. When we struggle with the Sitra we transform the darkness into light. That the oil of Hashem, the light of Hashem, the infinite light of Hashem should illuminate. In the place of the darkness, in the place of the Sita Akhra, shall call Elam Haza Kulay, which is this entire world, in a much more powerful way. Like the advantage of light which emerges from the darkness. So, a much more powerful light than the light that shines. In the higher spiritual worlds, Shemeir Shamai in the higher worlds, in all the spiritual higher and the holy worlds. Over there, yes, Hashem is revealed, but through different garments. And Hashem has to hide his Pinimius. Which hide and conceal the infinite light of Hashem. Because if the essence of Hashem would be revealed in the higher world, they would become nullified, vaporized, they would cease to exist. 
And that oyer, this is what Hashem wanted, that the oyer, which cannot exist in the highest worlds, should illuminate over here in this world. That's, that was Hashem's desire. Dira b'tachtoyinah means that He wants to be present in this world. As we'll see soon, the word dira is also important. What does a dira mean? Dira means a home. In a home, a person is present as he is. What is the definition of a home? What, you know, home sweet home. What's so, what's so great about home? What's so great about being home? Why is it that um, if we go visit, uh, the most wonderful relatives that we might have, it's good for two days or three days, but after, maybe, you know, it depends on a person's threshold, but after a certain time, it's like, I need to get home. Why? What is it about home? Protection. Protection? What, you're not protected when you're, you know, your relatives, what, if you stay with they, they give you pets? What, 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 what protection is there? <clears throat> In your home, you're free to be as you are. You're not putting up any shows. You're not putting up any pretenses. You're being exactly who you are. You don't have to alter yourself for anyone or cater to anyone. Sure. You're free to be just yourself. Hashem wants to be just Himself. No garments. When we're in other places, we put on garments. We put on the... In our own home, there is no garments. Uh, the Rebbe said on several occasions, he said, interesting, he said, we know the halacha is that a melech, you're not allowed to see the king naked. It's halacha, halacha. But in the king's own home, he's allowed to be naked. Allowed to be so that's what Hashem wants. He wants to be naked over here. In this. He wants a dira. He wants a place where he can be naked. Meaning naked. Where he can be himself. No garments. No, no, um, nothing. Uh, no facade. No facade. Not putting on any, uh, any ears or anything to be. And he wanted that should be over here. And it can't be in any of the higher worlds. Because if it be in any of the, over the higher worlds, Hashem reveals himself through garments. And there might be beautiful garments, by the way. Like the king, when he goes out, he's wearing royal robes and everything. There might be beautiful garments, but they're garments. In the higher worlds, and I'm talking about the spiritual worlds of Atsilos, etc. And he wants a he wants to be present over here. As they say, as he is, as is. He wants to be comfortable over here. And that's something which none, is not experienced in any of the other worlds. And that's what Hashem wants in this place of Chayshach. Do we say that that's accomplished <coughs> through the Torah and the mitzvahs? That through Torah and mitzvahs, that, that it, aren't those garments? Ne next Perik, Perik Lamed Zion, will be devoted to how we accomplish the Torah. Right now we're saying, here is what Hashem wants. Right. How we accomplish that? It's a whole long Perik. It's a whole system of how we accomplish the Torah. In short, is it Torah and mitzvahs? Of course. Right, and are those garments? In short. Are, are they garments of what? Garments that, that allow Hashem's presence, but they're a garment. I mean, we're saying that that's His essence, tefillin. Where tefillin is... You're, you're going to have to wait. Okay. You're going to have to wait. <coughs> but, yeah. How, however, again, in this period, we're getting into the what Hashem wants. And you might want to say the beginning of the how. It's through the fighting of the darkness and through transforming the darkness. Now, how do we do that? That we don't know till next period. But it's not just about the, the dear betachtoinu, but this period is also telling us it's accomplished through the iskafya and isapcha of sitra Now, how is it possible that in the highest worlds, Hashem there is revealed without any... Uh, 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 sorry, if Hashem were to be revealed there without any garments, 
to be revealed as he is, they would be, as you say over here, bottled the mitzvahs, you bottled the mitzvahs, they would completely uh, evaporate. Right, evaporate. And so how is it that we'll be able to, uh, to uh, handle such a, such a gili, right? So he says, And this is why Hashem gave the Yidin the Torah. Shenekras, Oiz v'koyach. Torah is referred to as Oiz, and is referred to as Koyach. And as Chazal tell us, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Noisen Koyach b'tzadikim, L'kabal scharam l'asid l'avei, that Hashem gives the tzaddikim the koyach to be able to accept their reward. La'asid lavi. When Mashiach comes. Shle'izbatl b'metziyis mamish ba'ir Hashem. So they shouldn't become totally bottled b'metziyis from the light of Hashem. Hanigla la'asid, which will be revealed in the time to come. Belishum levush, without any garment. So the Torah that we have, interestingly, it has certain properties within it within it, which enable us to, um, it, it, it's similar, what? It's similar to the idea of a vaccine, actually. It's similar to the idea of a vaccine, because what is Torah? Torah is, is Hashem. Torah is Hashem. Hashem uh, transcribed himself and wrote himself into Torah, and as we learned at length in previous Prakim, and Perikei, and Perichav Gimel, that what is Torah? Torah is Hashem's Chachma and Ratzon. And who the Chachma Sayyachad? He's one with his Chachma. And who the Ratzon He's one with his Ratzon. So every time that we're, take, we're learning Torah, even though we don't realize what's going on, but we're actually inoculating ourselves and giving ourselves, we're building up our resistance, so to say, so that when the Gilu Yalakus of Mashiach comes, we have the, the wherewithal and the strength to be able to but not to be bottled Messias from that incredible revelation that will be when Mashiach comes. We'll have vessels. We will be a vessel. We will be a vessel. Right? Because of the Torah. As the Pasuk says, And when Mashiach comes, our teacher, which is Hashem, won't, won't be anymore in a garment. Hashem will not be hidden from us. In any garment. And another pasuk says, and as the pasuk continues, rather your eyes will directly be able to see Hashem. And the pasuk says, that we will see Hashem eye to eye. That no longer will we have the sun to be our light by day. Because Hashem will be our eternal light. This is the incredible Gilui which will be when Mashiach comes. V'noidan it is known, She'yimoyisa Mashiach, that the days of Mashiach, Befrat k'she'yichyu ha'meisim, and particularly when the dead become, become back alive, and Tachlus v'shleim v'shbriyas elam haza, is the completion, the completed state of this world, the purpose and the objective of this world, Sholakach nivra mitchilasay, which why was originally created. Okay, so this is a very, uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot packed in over here. So first of all, note the words, Shalakach Nivra say that this is the way it was, this is the, its purpose, why it was created in the first place. Why is that important to mention over here? Whenever, whenever a person learns something, acquires a certain trait, 
a certain habit, or whatever it is, if it's if it's a davar noisaf al mitziyusay, it's not who I am essentially, but it's a, something which was added on. It's an add-on. Then it's not something which is lasting, or at least it's not necessarily lasting because it's not essentially who I am. You know the famous story about uh, probably a myth, but it brings out the point anyways about the Rambam and the cat and the mouse. You guys know the story? It was a way that the cat was Yeah. Away. And the mouse... Just to, just to say it, for those of you, if the, maybe someone doesn't know it, or someone in the audience who doesn't know it, that um, again, I, I don't believe the story has a real uh, solid uh, it. A source to it. it. But whatever, the, po- the, po- the point remains. That the, the Rambam was, 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 was once an argument in the Rambam and some of the other ministers in the court of the king about whether... You can train an animal completely to be different than its nature, than its uh, born nature. And the Rambam said that no, and the other people said that yes, an animal can be trained to be... And one of the guys says that, I'll show you, I will take a cat and I will train it to be a waiter, just like a human being. And this guy spent a long time and he trained his cat. And the day comes and he invites everyone, the Rambam and many other spectators to this feast. And there you have this cat that's walking on his hind legs and it's wearing, uh, wearing an apron. And it's holding a platter and it's handing out hors d'oeuvres to everyone present. And the guy goes to the Rambam and says, you see, you see I told you. Change the nature of, uh, of an animal. The Rambam says, really? The Rambam pulls out of his pocket a mouse and he lets it free. The tray goes, goes crashing down. The animal's on its feet, so the cat's on its feet, and it's running and it's chasing the, it's chasing the mouse. Because ultimately, it's an added, added nature. It's not its essential nature. And the same thing is also when it comes to this world. <coughs> if the world was essentially a bad place, and we are trying to, um, you want to say super, I don't want to say the word superficially or artificially, we're trying to what? Sorry? Superimpose. Superimpose. Very good. That's a good word. Superimpose upon it um, a holy nature and spirituality, then it, it's, first of all, it's not necessarily permanent. And more importantly, even, even while it is there, it's not the essence of what, of what the thing is. Everything has essential properties, and then there's the non-essential properties. So the question is, when we make a dir is it an essential property or not? So that's what the Rebbe adds in here, you're not superimposing this on the world. It's actually very natural for the world. That's its, its most natural state, which goes back, if you remember, to the question that we asked in the beginning by Basi Lagani. Why did Hashem, why was He originally here, only to be chased away and to be brought back? So first of all, if he wanted to be here, let him be here a whole time. So that we answered. We answered, oh, he couldn't be here a whole time because part of the kavana is that Hashem wants that Dirba Tachtoinim should be through the Tachtoinim, through our efforts. So that we answered. But then the question was, so why didn't he create the world in a way that originally he should have been absent and that we should bring him in? Why is it that Iker Shechina, as the Medrash says, Iker Shechina B'Tachtoinim, that originally the Shechina was here? And then afterwards it was chased away and brought back. But that's this point over here. Because when the world originally was created, it, the original intent was that it should be a dir And not only was that the original intent, in fact, 
In the beginning of the creation of the world, this was where Hashem was present. So therefore that means that it's actually part of the nature of the world. And therefore when we go, when, we, when we're elevating the world, we're only causing the world to revert to its original nature and to be in accordance with its original objective, which is to be a dir and that's why we have the ability to make the world in a very lasting way, in a very deep way, in a very uh, essential way, to make it into a holy place and a dir This is a very important point also, which the Rebbe discussed on many um, occasions, the understanding that nothing is resistant, nothing is resistant to godliness. Nothing in the world is resistant. It can't be. Because it's not as if that there's something which is essentially unholy and we're trying to make this incredible transform, transformation and trying to make it holy. In which case you can say, oh, this, this obstacle is too difficult. This is, the, too, this is too hard for me to overcome. If you understand this idea of that original state, everything began as a holy object. So we're, ultimately, it's only a klipa, right? It's only a klipa which we have to take off and reveal the ultimate, its ultimate nature. That's, that's one point. But there's another very important point over here. And this is somewhat, this is actually it's a, a huge paradigm shift. It's uh, transformative. The Alter Rebbe says over here that it's known that Yemaisa Mashiach, and especially Tchiyas HaMesim, is the Tachlis Vishlemus Brias Olam Haza, is the world in its perfected state. It's the world as it reached, it, uh, reaching its, uh, its objective, its Shlemus. That this is what it was created for in the beginning. Now everyone here is taking that statement uh, somewhat, you know, very calmly. But what is so revolutionary about the statement? How is it so different than the average way people think? When you go to the average from you, you say, describe to me in, in one word, in two words, in a sentence, what is Yemaisa Mashiach? What's its function? What's he going to tell you? That everything will be easy. No, I, what's its function? Why do we have to have Yemaisa Mashiach? What's the purpose of it? What's Mashiach? Why do we need Mashiach? What? So th that's what most people tell you because we need the base on Mikdash. I believe the popular response, and we can, we can uh, do a man on the street interview, maybe one of these days, and see if it's corroborated what I'm about to say, is that it's schar. It's what? It's our reward, it's schar. Yemais Mashiach is about schar. We're working in Gullus for 2,000 years, we're suffering in Gullus, an incredible suffering for 2,000 years. And then the purpose of Yemais Mashiach is because there's going to come a time when Hashem wants to reward, needs to reward us. But, and, and you think a little deeper. Where does that whole, that whole uh, attitude come from? If you say that Hashem created the world because He wanted to be good to us, and there's definitely Makarius and Kabbalah for that, in Eitz Chaim, and uh, that we, why did Hashem create the world? Kichof, it's chasid, we wanted to do chasid. This is chasid. <laughs> this is Hashem's chasid. Looking around the world today, oh am I, so, what, so what's the answer to that? 
How do we answer that question? We say, yeah, yeah, no, no, wait, wait, wait. Right now, this is just phase one, right? Phase one, which is where we're doing the work. And once we finish the work, that's when the reward comes. But in Tanya over here, we're not going with that direction. We're not saying that Hashem created the world because He wanted to be good to us. We're saying that Hashem created the world because He needed and He wanted the world. But what does Hashem want? Hashem wants a dir When is there going to be a dir When Mashiach comes. The purpose of the creation of the world is Yemaisa Mashiach. That's why Hashem created the world. Hashem is waiting for Mashiach as much as we're waiting, much more. Because the reason why Hashem created the world is He wanted a dir Right now, we're not there yet. When Mashiach comes, we'll have dir it's a whole different way of looking at Mashiach. It's not about Hashem um, finally uh, paying, paying us. And in fact, as Dr. Rebbe says, if you look in the next words in the Haggah, he says, There's going to be another, another uh, millennia. That's when we'll get a reward. Mashiach is not reward. Mashiach is the completion of the world. Reward will come afterwards. So why Kodesh Baruch has to wait so long? What's the purpose of, of the goals? First of all, we have the same question. <laughs> and we see, in our estimation, definitely, we're, we're you know, we tell Hashem, we're all ready. But obviously, this is the amount of time it takes to transform an entire world. But, 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 but we're going to get there. We're going to get there with exactly how this happens. But this is, if you go to, 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 to an average Fermudid and you ask him, how important is Mashiach to you? How important is Mashiach? Actually, when Hashem dies, the kids, it's going to be. Uh, so, but that's really all our days. Hashem is the idea of dir b'tachtoyin. But but hold on to that thought for a second. How important is Mashiach? Okay, depending some some answer will be a little more, some answer will be a little less, and there are probably a lot of from Yidden who will say. If they're honest, they're going to say not so important. In other words, I know it's important because I know that we say ani mamen, and I know we daven for it, but uh, not, so important. not so important. And if the yid, and you and you ask why is it important? Again, this is a be interesting to do a study of this. You go to from yid. Why is Mashiach important to you? What's the average yid going to answer? So many tzaddikes, right? So many people are suffering. How many people are going to come and tell you why is Mashiach important? If Mashiach isn't important, Torah mitzvahs aren't important. That's what we're getting from here. Which you would, in other words, if you're looking, if Mashiach is about schar, if you make Mashiach is about reward, then a, you can have a frumayid who can say, "I learned in Pirkei that I have to serve the Abish that are not kavadim amishamshin asarava manas lekabel pras." I don't serve Hashem for reward. I serve Hashem because I need to serve Hashem. So Mashiach is not important to me. And that would be a, a reasonable uh, statement, it would seem, right? Why should Mashiach be important? I know I have Torah, I have mitzvahs. Hashem told me what to do. And Mashiach, okay, you know what? If Hashem brings Mashiach, that's beautiful. I'll enjoy it. But why is that so important to me? Oh, so I have Avas Yisrael. I see that this person and this person doesn't have a shidduch, and this person um, doesn't have children. So I want Mashiach for everyone. But for me, I'm fine. What do you tell a yid like that? If a yid tells you, I don't need Mashiach, I'm fine. I'm serving the Eibishter. What's your answer to that? 
Maybe he's right. So then you turn to him and you say, but it's one of the Yud Gimali Kriya Muna. It's one of the 13 principles of faith. He says, so he says, I believe in it. And the Rambam Taki says, but I don't understand it. In other words, I don't understand why that's an Iker. Why is that an Iker? Why is that one of the 13 principles of faith? It's Taka Pella. And then you open up the Rambam and Hilchus Malachim, and the Rambam says, they're not only someone who doesn't believe in Mashiach, but someone who doesn't yearn for Mashiach also is a kafir in the whole Torah, denies the whole Torah and everything that the Nevi'im said. Why? Why do I have to wait for Mashiach? <coughs> Why is it so important? But now, if you view Mashiach as schar, as reward, then you're right. <coughs> then theoretically, I could say, I, I'm serving the Abishtah, I don't need the reward, I don't want the reward. You know, the story of the Baal that he wants... Um, I don't remember all the details of the story, but he wants, uh, I think it was in, in Istanbul, in Constantinople, and he needed a big favor, and someone gave him the favor. This whole story with Pesach. He didn't have anything for Pesach. The person supplied the whole say there. So he told the person, what do you need? And the person said, and the person said that, uh, I don't have any children. So he gave him a brach, he says, he says I'm, I'm you. the next year by this time you'll have a, you'll have a child. So in heaven, they went crazy because there was a major, major gzardin on this person that he's not going to have any children. But Tzadik Gezer Kaddish Baruch Mekayim. Tzadik commands and the Ebrish Mekayim, so they had no choice. But they were going to punish the Baal Shem because how dare he, uh, in, you know, interfere and, and mess up the whole heavenly plan. So it was decided in heaven that they're taking away the Baal Shem No more Ganeidim for the Baal Shem and the Bashantiv was notified about his punishment. Bashantiv immediately got up and he started dancing and singing. He was overjoyed. He said, Till now, whenever I was serving Hashem, maybe I had a thought that I was doing it for reward. Now I have no reward. Now I can serve Hashem Lushma. It was the biggest joy that he could have. So he was informed from heaven, you got back your Ganadin because we don't want to reward you for what you did. So for you taking away Ganadin, it's a reward. We're not going to reward you, so we're giving you back your Ganadin. So what if someone is in the Madrega of the Baal Shem Tov? I don't need Mashiach. But that's if Mashiach is a schar. But if we're understanding over here, Mashiach is not a schar. Mashiach is the Shleimus. That's what the Abishter wants. And by the way, as the Rebbe once said, you don't, you're fine in Galos. You don't want, you don't, you don't want Mashiach. But how about, have Rachmanes on the Abishter. Think about how much Hashem wants Mashiach. Once we understand that Mashiach is about Hashem's desire for Dir Betachtoinim. So first of all, if you love the Eibishter of Hashem you should want Mashiach, so Hashem can go out of Galos. But it's more than that. Every time you're doing a mitzvah, every time you're learning Torah, what is the purpose of it? The purpose it is, is Dira B'tachtoinim, right? The purpose is to bring Mashiach. So if you don't want Mashiach, you're totally out of tune with what you're doing. So imagine a person is working in a in an apple factory. I don't mean the apples you eat. Right? You're working an apple. So it's one person, one thing if the person says, you know what, I, I love my job so much, I don't care if I don't get a paycheck. I'm, I'll, I'll manage. Okay, that, that's not a problem, right? But what if the person says, I really love my job so much, I love hacking together this and that, and I, I love my job so much, I don't even care if an iPhone is actually produced. As long as I get to put in my... Uh, my component over here and whatever his, uh, his job is, 
iPhone yet produced, iPhone not produced. I love my job. He's a Meshugana, right? And a person who, who, who's, who's a Yid and learns Torah and does mitzvahs, and it's not him be'etzem, about Mashiach, that means that you're completely disconnected and disjointed from what you're doing. You're not, you're, you're, what's the word, you're misaligned. Right? You're doing one thing and your mind is elsewhere. You're living your whole life and every single act you're doing is towards a certain goal. And then when you come to him and ask him, do you care about that goal? He goes, mm, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? And that's what the Ramam says. They call me Shini Mechake, someone who doesn't wait. But not only someone who doesn't wait. But if you don't yearn. Because if you don't yearn again, how can you not yearn? If every single act that you're doing is towards that, how can you not yearn for that? So this, these few lines over here from the Alter Rebbe, which it seems to be uh, small lines, the Alter Rebbe says that, that, that it is known that Mashiach is the Taklis Shlemus Briya Selam really reframes the way we look at Mashiach. <coughs> And really gives a different understanding as to why we as to why we're so anxious for Mashiach. And the truth is, if you're in tune with what you're doing, then every single time you do a mitzvah, you're screaming, "We want Mashiach now!" That is the act of the mitzvah. The act of the mitzvah is, I need to make a dir betachtein and freshem. That's the tachlus of everything. And Amir Tashem will continue this um, next week. Shabbos, everyone.